Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Maine Education Matters. I am your intrepid and stalwart host, Matt Drewett Card. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to stay with us uh, through all these years. And if this is your first time listening, hey, thanks for, if you haven't downloaded, just downloading it, thanks for downloading it. If you've subscribed, I appreciate that. Uh, we take a look at a lot of the things that are happening in Augusta uh, during legislative sessions, keeping track of upcoming bills, potential policies that might take place that might, you know, impact education in particular overall. And we monitor that. We follow that stuff up. We occasionally, you know, we talk a little bit about the DOE or what's happening all, all over the place. So um, we follow those things. So we follow them so you don't have to. Um, there was a slogan about that at some point. Like, we listen so you don't have to. I don't know, someone used to say that. I'm not exactly sure who. Uh, shout out to Julie Smythe. Uh, so, that's what we do. Normally, uh, uh, a, a podcast, our podcasts go like, we're going to, especially in the middle of the session itself, talk about what's happening in the immediate. Uh, what's, ha what's coming up next week, what's coming up in the coming weeks, bills that are coming up before the committee. Today, though, I'm going to take a little bit of a different tactic. Uh, going to take a tactic of not just what's in front of the committee already, like the things that are scheduled and are having public hearings and work sessions about, but I am going to single out five bills that have been, that are written, that have been given uh, LD numbers that will be going before the committee sooner rather than later. And these are five bills that are going to... Um, have significant impact on the committee and are going to be talked about a lot. There'll be a lot of testimony on it, and it'll also have a lot of buzz. There's going to be a lot of discussion on these particular bills um, because, not sure if you noticed, it's a highly politicized time right now, and there's a lot of challenges that are happening to a lot of things, and... Hmm. Trying to walk a fine line here. There are things that if, if some of these bills were to go into place could pose really massive systemic challenges to schools. They might seem like a little thing or just a, an ideological opinion at certain points, but then when you really get into the meat and heart of what we're talking about, it could have real lasting implications. So, I'm going to go over five of those bills today. They haven't necessarily been given a public hearing date yet, but they will at some point in this session. So just so you're aware of what they are and so you're aware of what's coming so that you can learn about it, read it, prepare testimony if you want to submit testimony on it, and you know get people together or, or just organize and do or do nothing with it, whatever, you, as long as you're informed. So the first one that we're going to talk about is an old standard. This one is going to be LD number 51. This is an act to restore religious and philosophical exemptions to immunization requirements presented by Representative Drinkwater of Milford. Now, if you remember in one of the last sessions, uh, they removed the religious and philosophical exemptions so that it was only medical, so that you can't just have a philosophical or a religious belief because you might have a philosophical or religious belief um, regarding the vaccinations. However, there are kids and people in the school systems who 
have the right to a public education who have compromised immune immune system immunosystems and can't necessarily get those vaccinations because of their immunocompromised uh, systems and as a result they are at a um, they're, they're in more danger of contracting things so it's not just about a belief or a desire or a, a philosophical conviction which is again comes down to fundamentally a belief or a idea I actually liken back to the Kevin Smith film Dogma when I when I think about uh, beliefs and ideas and uh, kind of an underrated film if you ask me but um, in that movie uh, the character Chris Rock plays talks about beliefs and ideas and says I, I prefer ideas beliefs are harder to change but ideas ideas can change over time well, if you have, but, but basically if you have a belief you're stuck in that and that's not it's it's unmoving but ideas ideas can shift depending on where you are what you're looking at and the information that you are provided so this is a big one because one you, you you're gonna hear about it two you're, there's gonna be a tremendous amount of testimony on it it's gonna come all out of the woodworks on it and three if this were to go through there would be significant and substantial impact on schools and especially on the the health physical health of those kids who are immunocompromised or teachers who are immunocompromised or administrators or custodians or bus drivers all the folks who inhabit a public school system uh, that will have a significant impact on them that's LD 51 it is not again all these have not had public hearing dates scheduled yet as of this particular recording That'll be a that'll be a, that'll be an interesting one that that always brings people out. The next one, LD, I want to talk about is, L, there's 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 sorry, with LD fifty one with the immunization requirements, there are a few bills not just in the education committee but in other committees um, across the legislature that are working to do the exact same thing. Whether it's so so there's a definitely a coordinated attempt to make. The, to to eliminate to eliminate those exemptions so it's not just the education committee but there is a definitely political aim to get rid of those it's organized so that's that one another one where there's uh, there are several bills that have to do with this particular topic uh, we're gonna we're, I'm just gonna use one bill to kind of sum it all up LD 52. LD-52 is an act to allow certain employees to carry firearms on school property. This is presented by Representative Foster out of Dexter. And what this bill allows for, this bill, it, quote, exempts a school employee from the prohibition on possessing a firearm on public school property or the property of an approved private school or discharging a firearm within 500 feet of public school property or the property of an approved private school if the school employee has successfully completed certification and training prescribed by the Board of Trustees of the Maine Criminal Justice Academy and has been authorized by the school board to possess or discharge a firearm for the purpose of enhancing the safety and security of the school and in defense of students, staff, and members of the public on the school premises. The bill provides that the school employee is not authorized to exercise law enforcement powers. The bill allows the school board to establish a certification standard and a training program to arm and supervise certain school employees in a manner according to the protocols as school board determines. 
The bill specifies that a school board may not arm a school employee without the employee's voluntary consent and a school employee may not be censured or discriminated against for unwillingness or refusal to carry a firearm. Now, you can, I mean, anyone, any reasonable listener of this podcast would would say, all right, there's a lot here and there's a lot of issues that might come up with this. Here's... Here's where I get hung up. I get hung up on a fact that there are people who will say, we don't trust you to teach our kids. You're indoctrinating our kids. Your teaching certificate doesn't mean anything. It's not valuable in that way, and it's not enough. You're saying the wrong thing. We don't trust you in that way. However... If you have successfully completed certification and training by the Board of Trustees of the Board of Trustees of the Maine Criminal Justice Academy, then that's enough, as, and be authorized by the school board. That's enough to carry an armed weapon on school, on school property, or to discharge a firearm on school property. It seems like there's there's there's, there's for me there's just like this. There's this imbalance there. Um, I know there's a re- there, there are hefty requirements to get that certification. Hefty requirements. I would also say there are hefty requirements in order to get a teaching certificate. There are hefty requirements to get... Um, I mean, that's one of the reasons why they're actually... They're changing a lot of certification rules in Maine because... It's been so difficult for so many people for so long, and they're trying to f- allow for different pathways to open people to be uh, become teachers. But it is tough. It's hard. And I get that the certification will be hard. What I wonder is why is it okay for it to be hard in this case, and that hard is valuable, but the hard on the other side isn't as valuable. And the teaching of our, te- our kids isn't as... Is, it just feels like an imbalance. Maybe I'm not explaining myself well. But when I see things like this, it's we value this certification over this other certification. And I ask why. If you're going to allow for this, why don't you just let teachers teach? Let administrators administrate. Let them do their things, what they're doing, because they are the trained professionals. You're asking for a trained professional to have a firearm on public schools, public school grounds. That's what you're allowing for. So whether or not I think this is going to go anywhere, whether or not I agree with this is irrelevant. I have questions, and and there are several bills that are like this one that are going through committee that are going to go through other committees to bring forward and to have discussion about. You'll see press on this. You'll see a lot of stuff about these about these, this particular bill, this particular topic. And if you feel strongly that this shouldn't be or this should be, then provide testimony. And there are lots of ways to do that. Get involved that way. Let the committee, let your legislators know. And 
one of the best things to do is to submit testimony. They love hearing from people. Um, if you don't know how to do that, just DM me and I'll help you along the way. Happy to help. But there's a lot of information, a lot of resources out there to help provide testimony. So immunizations and removing the political and philosophical, not political, philosophical and religious immunization requirements, uh, exemptions, um, but basically guns in schools. Uh, another one that's going to be coming up and that is also being twisted into a couple of different committees as well is LD-123. LD-123 is an act to eliminate the educational purpose exemption to the prohibition on the dissemination of obscene matter to minors. This is presented by Senator Libby of Cumberland. What this bill eliminates is an exemption to the prohibition on the dissemination of obscene matter to minors for educational purposes in public schools. So it's a very, there's, there's very limited um, language involved in this. It's updating and it's changing the language of saying that, you know, that public, uh, a person is guilty of disseminating obscene material to a minor if a person knowingly distributes or exhibits uh, or offers to distribute or exhibit to a minor any obscene material de declared obscene. But this section does not apply to any non-commercial distribution or, ex or exhibition for purely educational purposes by any library, art gallery, museum, public school, private school, or institution of learning nor to any commercial public uh, or any commercial distribution or exhibition by any art gallery or museum. Now what this exemption does is it removes public school. It does not remove private school. It does not remove institution of learning, which is that a charter school? Is that a magnet school? Is that a university? What what does that mean? But it removes public school. So this is to take out obscene matter declared obscene. Where is the obscenity declaration? That's one of the first things to ask. Also, you should know that a bill like this came up in the 129th session. We're in the 131st right now, but LD94 in the 129th legislative session came up um, before the Criminal Justice um, Committee, uh, Criminal Justice and Public Safety Committee, and they unanimously voted ought not to pass on that one. Um, books are speech. Limiting what books can appear in public high schools can send a message that the government should be able to decide what we can and cannot read. That's a tough thing right there. I, I'm quoting uh, an article um, from, I don't have the actual link with me right now, so I apologize for that. I will see if I can find it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll link to it on this bill in the uh, spreadsheet. So there's history there to this that it's already been tried before um so when it comes to uh when it comes to obscenity what is defined as obscene uh a little bit of first amendment history for you the supreme court has established this thing called the miller test uh this was done uh in 1973 using the supreme court's decision miller v california uh justice Berger, uh at the time justice warren Berger, outlined what he called guidelines for jurors with obscenity cases. So that test is one, whether the average person applying contemporary community standards would find the work taken as a whole appeals to the prurient interest 
or two, whether the work depicts or describes in a patently offensive way sexual conduct specifically defined by the applicable state law, and three, whether the work taken as a whole lacks serious literacy, literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. There's a lot of wiggle room here. There's a lot of wiggle room here. Um, and that's, it's been challenged and it's being challenged in areas like in terms of online things, but generally speaking, that's kind of, that's, that's been a consistent test of obscenity. And for you legal experts out there, please correct me if I'm wrong on this. Um, I'm not a legal expert. I'm just a schmo with a microphone. So what's going to be interesting about this one is what is obscene because what is obscene to some will not be obscene to others. And what are we defining as obscene? And who makes that decision where and when? Is it up to a local school board? Is it up to the legislature? How do we go about deciding that? So that's, that's a big one. That's a big one right there. And there's been a lot of discussion on stuff like this um, over this course of this last year or so. And so... Um, that's one to pay attention to because we're, I don't know what's going to happen in committee, of course, but the implications of that are enormous. Uh, the implications of that could have that, that ripple effect from Augusta out to the schools and to the homes themselves could be significant depending on well, what do they decide and what do they decide is obscene versus what is not obscene and why just public schools? Why not private schools? Why not? Does this apply to the um, academies, the, the half-public, half-private schools. Does it apply to them? All legitimate questions that, that will need to be answered in this. Is it just schools that, that receive public funding? So again, a lot of questions. Um, all right, I'm going to move on from that one. The next uh, bill that I wanted to highlight um, again, they, they, they have some pretty significant, um, political or emotional, it's kind of funny I said this for this one, emotional connection, um, they're done from a place of, I don't know. Well, let's get into it. Uh, LD 618, uh, by representative, presented by Representative Adams of Lebanon. This is an act to eliminate critical race theory, social and emotional learning, and diversity, equity, and inclusion from school curricula. So, what is prohibited? An SAU may not provide instruction in critical race theory, social and emotional learning, and diversity, equity, inclusion in school curricula. For the purpose of this section, those things means instruction that, one, um, one race or sex is inherently better than another race or sex. B, by virtue of the individual's race or sex, an individual is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously. C, an individual should be discriminated against or receive adverse treatment solely or partly because of the individual race or sex. D, members of one race or sex cannot and should not attempt to treat others without respect to race or sex. E, an individual's moral character is necessarily determined by the individual's race or sex. F, an individual should feel discomfort, guilt, or anguish, or any other form of psychological distress solely because of the individual's race or sex. And, and G, 
meritocracy or traits such as having a work ethic are racist or sexist or were created by members of a particular race to oppress members of another race. There's a lot that's prohibited there. There's a lot that's prohibited there. And a lot of um, a lot of gray area. And it talks about individuals where a lot of the, the things for... And, and I, the inclusion of social and emotional learning in this one is interesting because social and emotional learning teaches resiliency and teaches students to um, teach students to be uh, uh, internally, mentally, and emotionally strong um, and to work as a unit, as a collective of people, not just an individual. But that we live as a community and an individual can have a significant impact on a community and you know, should know what that know the impact. And if you have an impact, you should know how to take personal responsibility for that impact that you have that you've had on that. And if there's been a group of people that has had a significant impact on other groups of people, then is there, a, is there that conversation about significant impact there and should, should there be a level of responsibility taken by them as well? So it's interesting that this bill goes into really an, in, at an individual level and it has a lot of assumptions that a lot of the teaching of diversity, equity, inclusion or social emotional learning and diverse and these things that they say you should feel bad. No, I, I, I personally have never heard that. I've never seen that. I've never experienced that as an as an educator. Am I saying it's never happened? No, of course I'm not going to say it's not happened. But when you're trying to prohibit someone's feelings, guilt, or like it says, uh, it, it may not provide instruction that. An individual should feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress solely because of the individual's race or sex. How can you how can you control that? How can you how can any legislator in Augusta in the state house legislate what's happening in an individual's mind during a lesson? How can that happen? And that's what I don't get from this. How is that really gonna work? How is that really going to play out? And what is that going to do to having an open forum or even a limited open forum for conversation in within a classroom? That if people are being continuously told that they can't talk about certain things or that they can't open, have an open discussion, then we're limiting our conversations. We're limiting the scope of thinking. You know, indoctrination doesn't come from having an open mind and being given an open platform in order to learn things. Indoctrination comes from when you limit what you're able to learn and you're only able to learn certain things. If you block off all other areas of learning and all you can learn about is one particular version of history, that's indoctrination. Having an open mind is not that. But how do you legislate? How do you legislate an individual's feeling in a classroom?
What does that look like? And if you're going to put it in bill, okay, great. You put it in the bill, you sign it in, there you go. It's now in law. How do you hold accountability? How do you keep track of that? Who's going to be the CRT, SEL, and DEIB police? And legislature, you're going to fund that? You're going to fund people to go and do that? Are you going to fund people to go and make sure that all schools, all classrooms aren't doing it? Or are you just going to give another unfunded mandate for the schools to live up to? This is a big one. This one's going to have a lot of conversation. You'll see a lot of articles on this. You'll hear a lot of people talk about it. And there'll be some significant political stuff on all sides about this one. What I want people to think about, what I would love people to think about it is the real impact on a school system. The real impact on a classroom that this could have. And to what extent is there actually going to be a real impact? What, like, if this goes into play, okay. And then what? What happens next? What does that look like? What does it all mean? Who decides? Because you're deciding for some other people who might disagree with you. And if you don't, if you think that, that wouldn't happen, think about it this way. If the people in your de decisions were to completely eliminate your perspective, your ideology from the conversation, how would that sit with, with, with on your side? How would that sit for you? <sighs> that's a big one. That's a that's going to be a big one to hear. Again, as I said before, no public hearings have been scheduled as of this recording for that. So finally today, let's talk about LD six hundred and 78. An act to require parental approval for public school employees to use a name or pronoun other than a child's given name or pronoun corresponding to the gender on the child's birth certificate. Presented by Representative Smith of Palermo, several co-sponsors. Here's what this bill says. It goes and defines a public and school employee and it says prohibitions. A public school employee may not, A, Use a name to address or refer to a student that does not match the name listed on the student's birth certificate without written permission from the student's parent or legal guardian. Or B, use a pronoun to address or refer to a student unless that pronoun corresponds to the gender listed on the student's birth certificate without written permission from the student's parent or legal guardian. That's the bill. That's the language of the bill that it says. And... This has been a big issue across many places across Maine and across the country. Got a lot of conversations about the use of pronouns and corresponding genders and gender identity and gender nonconformity and LGBTQIA plus rights and their, you know, and, and existence, you know, whether or not people want to recognize that people don't, people can or do not live in a, in a, in a binary or non-binary state. Okay, so the first question that I, that I have about this one, and I'm going to really tread carefully on this to try to present uh, as much of a unbiased 
um, perspective on this, but I do have my opinions on this. The first question that I have is, let's say this bill goes through. Let's say this bill is presented, it goes through legislation, it gets enacted. Great. Okay. Let's say that happens. Okay. Who's going to fund this? Who is going to address that? Who is going to police this? Who's going to be responsible for this? If this doesn't happen, what happens? What's the result? What is the... What's the end of this? And who's going to be responsible for that? And how are they going to monitor that? Is it going to be uh, self-reporting to go to school boards? And if, and if so, let's say that does happen. What happens to the teacher? What happens in that situation? Is that just grounds for removal? Is that grounds for dismissal? Is that not looked at? I, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know how far this goes. I don't know what the expectation would be. Because given that it's a local control state, isn't this an issue that a local school board should take on? But this is trying to change the law. So, so right now, the laws stipulate that, if I'm understanding the law correctly, that if a, if a student chooses a particular pronoun that makes that they want to be recognized at or a name that they want to be recognized at then while the student record isn't changed it is the expectation that that student is called by that pronoun and that name in the school and that teachers need to do their very best to ensure that they're doing that that's in the trainings that i've heard i've gone to and seen for other things that's what the legal experts are saying needs to happen. Okay. If it doesn't happen, I don't know. Then there's going to be lawsuits and I, I don't know. So it, so if this bill were to go through, think about the pronoun, how, how are you going to police that? How are you going to um, monitor and hold, hold account, keep accountable? The second thing that that I really worry about with this bill is that prohibition under A. I mean, the the, the, the pronoun stuff, that's a that's clearly a political political side. That's a thing about people's, you know, beliefs about LGBTQIA plus rights. But part A bothers me for a reason that I'm just I'm really concerned about. And to be honest, it, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a personal thing. Uh, public school may not uh, use a name to address or refer to that student that does not match the name listed on the student's birth certificate without written permission from the student's parent or legal guardian. The name on my birth certificate is Matthew. But I don't like being called Matthew. I like being called Matt. In fact, in my close to 48 years, 47, 48 years on this planet now, I've allowed one person outside of my family to call me the name Matthew. Usually people call me Matthew, I say, just call me Matt. I'm Matt, thank you very much. What about a person like named Rebecca who wants to be called Becky or Becca? What about a person whose first name, they don't like their first name, but they'd rather be called by their middle name? What about a kid who's been given a nickname throughout their entire life and their parents call them that nickname 
but it's not on their birth certificate. Now it says without written permission. So a parent has to write in to call my son Gus or whatever, if, if, if but the name is Philip, but I want them to be called Gus. That has to be written in now. So this idea of the name, the idea of the name being a part of it, I think there's some real problems with this bill and that law. With this, the problems in this bill with that. The other thing that concerns me is the birth certificate because there may be many students who don't have a birth certificate. There may be students who, whose names or who have, you know, who are refugees into this, into our country and into our state who don't have the quote unquote proper documentation and paperwork. What do we do with them? It's not on their birth certificate. They don't have one. So what do we do? Do they fall under this bill? Do they fall under this law? How does that work? This, I think when you start pulling back the, the layers of this, you start to see that there's a lot of flaws or a lot of questions. That's what I mean by flaws. I mean like questions in it in that it's unclear. So I'm hoping that they will be asked these questions in public hearing. I'm hoping that whenever that public hearing is scheduled, I'm hoping that it will be that the people who wrote this bill will be having to answer that que very question. Um, and this is one that is going, this is one of those bills that is going to cause many sleepless nights and worries for many people. Um, it's been an issue for many school boards. It's been an issue for many schools and districts across the state this last couple of years. And um, it's not going away. So keeping in mind with the theme of today's podcast, which is letting you know of bills that could have a significant impact on our education landscape. There are a number of them. There are many, many, many bills before the legislature this session. Last my count that I have, I have 76 that have been written up that are assigned to the Ed Committee. That's the Ed Committee alone. There are, there are many of them. And it's going to be important to keep track of them. So... Is it going to be an issue of like like what 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 are you interested in or what are you passionate about? There's the restoring religious exemptions. There's the uh, allowing certain school employees to carry firearms. These are these are big ideas and like ground shaking in a lot of ways ideas. There's the Act to Eliminate Educational Purposes Exemption on the Prohibition of Dissemination of Minors, Dissemination of Obscene Matter to Minors. And I, 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 that one's fascinating to me as a, as a fan of the ideas of free speech and what that means in the constitutional legal arguments that, are, that both are for and against it. I'm fascinated by this, and I want to see how that goes. Um, I think I mentioned this though, but this bill has, similar bill has gone before the Ed Committee before and failed. So 
there's that one. There's the banning of CRT and SEL and diversity, equity, inclusion from school curriculum. From school curricula, excuse me. And then, of course, the name and pronoun bill. These are highly politicized. People are very passionate about these. And it will be worth watching, paying attention to, and following. I will, of course, be making sure that I'm here to let you know when they're going to be having public hearings on these things. We'll be covering them. You know I'm going to be diving into the testimony on these bills in particular uh, pretty heavily. And if you want to have more information on where to get to track the bill, um, connect it to all of our social media. There's a spreadsheet that has all of the bills that we are following, and you can follow along there. But, of course, the best way is doing what you're doing right now is listening to us. You can also connect with me on Twitter, at DrewettCard. Um, best way to get in touch with me or on the or the, the show page at Maine Ed Matters. It's it's a busy year. It's a busy session. And there's some things that are coming up that are going to be difficult. So um, breathe. Breathe and buckle up, everyone. Because that's, I think, what we're going to need a little bit of. Breathing and then anchoring ourselves to what we believe in. All right. Thank you so very much for listening. We appreciate you. As always, we love you, and we will talk to you again very, very soon. Thanks so much. Bye. Mm-hmm.